This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, September 13th, 2015. Reset from complacent to connected. Well, good morning, Connection Church. Are you with me? Hi, good morning, Connection Church. Thank you. I didn't know if I needed to share this with you. My Starbucks. Well, it's big enough. Yeah, it is big enough to share. My name's Carrie Jones. Did I say that already? No. no. Okay. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who've been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? Thank you, God, for bringing us together this morning. Thank you for the beautiful day. It's no accident that any one of us are here. And now I would ask that you would invade our mind, invade our heart, that we could set aside anything that's a distraction, but really focus on you. I pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everybody gathered said, Amen. Amen. All right, so last week we talked about how crazy our life is, that culture, everything's like out of control. And what if we had a reset button to just get things back together? You know, from that overloaded, burned out uh, stage that we often find ourselves in. Well, this morning we'd like to consider another need for a reset button. And that would mean that this idea of going from complacent to connected. Complacent to connected. So complacent, satisfied with how things are and not wanting to change them. Content, overly content. At first, it doesn't seem too bad, does it, to be complacent? In fact, uh, in a crazy world, sometimes this seems like a good thing, and, and it is up to a point up to a point, but if we're not careful, we can get too complacent, we can get too content, and when that happens, our groove then becomes a rut, and ruts are very difficult to climb out of. Complacent relationships become just okay, and we settle for just okay when God wants us to uh, settle for great, not okay. Complacency drains the life out of us. Complacency gives us an excuse to chop stop growing in our relationships. We become indifferent. We stop having the tough conversations, the challenging conversations, the crucial conversations with those around us. We stop dreaming and we lose hope that things may never, or we're afraid they might never change. We, we may even accept less than our best at work, at home, at school. We cut corners and, and, and we do just what needs to be done, if that. We settle for status quo. Life becomes routine, predictable, and possibly even boring. We may, may even look for our excitement elsewhere in places that we shouldn't go. And the caution is that it doesn't happen quickly, like boom, boom, and you can see a big change. It often is just a slow fade in our relationships. We lose our edge, and when that happens, it's easy to become disconnected from friends, from family, even from God, from life. When that happens, we're on a downward spiral and we're in serious need of a reset. Say reset. reset. 
Great, thank you. All right, so here's what the Bible says. We're going to take a look at the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So connecting with friends is crucial in order to avoid complacency, in order to not allow that busyness in the world to take over and control us. Taking time for friends is a crucial reset in an otherwise overloaded world. Hmm. But here's the thing. Um, most of us, um, most of us, most of us have a lot of friends, don't we? I mean, uh, maybe that's not true for everybody, but most have a lot of friends. And, and the challenge is um, <coughs> we're not in a position most of the time to spend oodles and oodles of time with all of those friends because there's just not that many hours in a day, even if we devoted all of it to those friendships, to, to cultivating those friendships. And so um, we kind of have to choose. We kind of have to determine where we're going to place our time and our energy and utilize that to avoid the complacency. So Bill Hybels, in his book called Simplify, and that's really what we're talking about when we say reset. We're talking about realigning and simplifying um, our lives. He talks about maintaining healthy friendship circles and suggests that Jesus actually gives us the precedent for this. You see, Jesus had relational circles, a relational circle of 72, of 12, 3, and 3. Let's start with the 72. This refers to the large circle of disciples that Jesus was in relationship with. We see this uh, in Luke chapter 10, among other places, but here's Luke chapter 10. After this, the Lord appointed how many? 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Okay, so we have 72 people that Jesus is in relationship with, close enough relationship that he's able to send them out in pairs in ministry. Now, these are the type of friends that we would probably refer to as acquaintances or possibly good acquaintances. You know, we well know them well enough to speak to them, maybe know a little bit enough to know to ask about their family, their work, their home. We're probably not spending time at that home with them, and they're probably not coming over our house for social visits. You know, it's important to have friends, acquaintances like this, but the challenge is uh, there's a limit to how much time we spend with them because there's so many of people in this category that we just don't have the time to spend it with all of them. Uh, we can't, nor should we. So the next relational circle is 12. Say 12. 12. Great. These are the disciples that Jesus hung out with. They're disciples that we read about in Scripture, the guys that were Jesus' small group. He knew them intimately, and they knew him. Jesus poured himself into the 12 disciples. Now, for us, they would be friends that we do life with possibly our small group, but not always, because there are more than um, our small group friends. 
that we do life with. These are the people that we need to connect with closely. When I say we, I don't just mean we, I mean we. I'm talking a collective we. And to not our, allow ourselves to get complacent with these relationships. You know, when things get crazy and over busy, and they do, when it's like, oh my gosh, get me off the bus. It's really easy to allow those relationships to not be as important, to kind of like, okay, later or another day or another week, maybe even another year. It's so detrimental when we set relationships on the back burner because those are the times we actually need them the most. When our lives get out of control, <clears throat> when we need to set a reset button, it's our relationships that actually energize us and help us move, especially if we're in a complacent place in some aspect of our life. It's those relationships that help us feel and experience connectivity. And then we can live out the scripture found in Hebrews about spurring one another on in love and encouraging one another. Mm. And then Jesus had two very small, very intimate relational circles. In his case, they consisted of three. Hold up three fingers and say three. See, we didn't do you that with 72 because that would have been challenging, you know, but three we can deal with. Three. And the first is his inner, inner circle of disciples. He had 12, but then he had three really close disciples. These are the ones who were absolutely closest. Check, check this out. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and he led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was, say the word with me, transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and say it with me, his clothes became as white as the light. Can you imagine? He's like, he was a he was all aglow, wasn't he? He was like glowing. And just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. What a scene. What a, for, I mean, can you imagine being Peter, James, and John and having Jesus say, hey guys, come up to the mountain with me? First of all, that would be like, whoa. <coughs> and then for Jesus to include them in this incredible moment, the transfiguration, these three guys were his inner, inner circle. They were also the men who accompanied Jesus deeper into the Garden of Gethsemane at the end of Jesus' life uh, before he was crucified. These are the men that Jesus relied on, counted on, trusted, and allowed them to see more of him than others. These were his three closest friends. Mm. But then he had another set of three. Say three. three. See, that was good. You didn't just say it. You put it up. I'm proud of you. That's good. Another set of three. And um, we talked a little bit about two of the three last week. Um, these three were Mary, the sisters Mary and Martha, and their brother Lazarus, who in another story, Jesus actually uh, brought Lazarus out of the grave after he had been dead for a few days. Two sisters and a brother. They weren't part of those 12 disciples. Yeah, we think they're probably part of the 72, yet a very part, special part of that 72. These were the friends who he could really just 
relax with. He could go to their home, have a meal, um, just, just <laughs> sounds funny, be himself. Yeah, right, like he's going to be somebody else. But, you know, he, this is a place of comfort, a place where he kind of get away. You know, he would go off and pray when he wanted to reset. This is kind of like a, a social reset, a relational reset, a friendly reset place for Jesus with these three close friends. So our challenge is to find the time and the energy for these inner circles so that we can have a reset, especially when we feel like we're running on empty. Anybody ever feel like that? Yeah, I, I know I do, running on empty. But we're talking about how important relationships, and especially boiling it down to that um, three relationship, we are so blessed to have a number of the smaller intimate relationships. It might not be three, it might be two, it might be five, but what we're talking about is intimacy. Um, there are two in my life that I'd like to share with you. My, my first one that I want to share is the small group of women that I meet with. There are five of us, and we are so vulnerable together, and like everything is just kind of stripped down. We don't have to worry. I'm not pastor in that group, but I can grapple with scripture, and I can grapple with things in my life as they grapple with things in their life. So I have to make it a priority. Sometimes it's easy for me to think, okay, man, I gotta, I'm so busy, I can't do this. But that's exactly what's best for me, to be in that small group of women because it does energize me and it keeps me from moving to that place of complacency. It keeps me connected, also accountable because they can follow up with, hey, you said this two weeks ago, how you doing with that? I'm like, whoa, okay, it's important. Another uh, group of three is actually four women who, um, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I have never fostered relationships with other clergy, other than the ones that I directly work with, like Alan and Lori. And it didn't seem important to me, but that's wrong. Because I really, there's, in our, in our conference, in our state, in the Eastern Shore, there are a lot of pastors that I really should have a, a deeper relationship with. So about a year and a half ago, four women who pastor larger churches uh, began to get together about every six to eight weeks to get to know each other over lunch. And... That's another thing that would have been easy for me to say, I'm going to put this on hold. I'm really too busy. I don't really want to invest. But somewhere deep down in my spirit, I knew that it was important for me to do just that. And so now when we get together, there's enough there. We spend enough time together that we can begin to celebrate. And I can risk and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Or my other friend can say, hey, I'm struggling with this. And it's, it's just clicking. But it didn't click at first. I'm like, oh, I don't really like this. But I knew that Jesus really directed my steps to be involved in this. So those are two examples for me of what helps me stay in those areas out of complacency and stay connected. And there's some other areas and relationships that also help me in that way. Yeah. Important not to become uh, complacent in those relationships. Also, in the relationships right in our own homes, let's start with our children. You know, it's kind of easy at times to put 
uh, the relationships with our kids on autopilot, for them, it's easy for them to get our leftovers, to be blunt about it. You know, after we've worked, after we've done the stuff at the house, after we've done all the other things, then we give them the little energy and time that's left over. And unfortunately, by that time, there's not a whole lot of energy and time left. And, and sometimes what we give kids is, uh, is uh, okay, why don't you go with me and do something? And, and they're just kind of a tag along. That's not really necessarily quality time, although they probably enjoy it because it is some time with mom or dad. You know, our kids need us not just as uh, uh, providers of material needs like uh, food, clothing, and shelter, but uh, we need to look out for their emotional needs, their psychological, their spiritual, their relational needs. Uh, we need to invest time and energy in our kids. And to do that, we, we need to enter their world. I had a, a friend, a pastor friend, who uh, uh, gave me some counseling of, of quite a few years ago. And in the process, he knew our family. And, um, and at the time, Devin was just a little thing, um, and uh, our youngest daughter. And, um, and he said, you know, like Devin, uh, he was talking about family and relations, just what we're talking about today. He said, you need to enter her world. Enter her world. What's that, what's that mean? He said, well, it's not like, you know, you're going to the store, so you say, Devin, come on, go to the store with me. Although, you know, you could do that. But it means you saying, Devin, let's play Candyland. <laughs> uh, I don't like Candyland. <laughs> but that's not the point, is it? The point was Devin liked Candyland or whatever. Uh, I'm not a particular big Barbie guy, but, you know. <laughs> Harper likes to play Barbie these days. You know, Harper, that's my granddaughter. Devin, you know, if you've got daughters, it's important to, you know, I taught him how to throw and catch a softball, but it's important also for me to learn how to play dolls and, and Candyland and stuff. As they got older, um, <clears throat> all three girls in the afternoon, and I think it was at 4.30. Any of you ever watched Dawson's Creek? Remember that show? I know all the characters. <laughs> I know them all because that was how I could enter their world. And sometimes I had a little trouble with what went on in that show. And part of the problem probably was because it was a slice of probably what really goes on out in the world with people the age of that show. And so I watched it with my girls. And, you know, Turner and I, before school, we'd have a catch with a baseball or the football, but there were many a days. Does anybody know the show Hey Arnold? I know Arnold <laughs> and all his buddies. Why? Well, it was a pretty good show, actually, but I probably wasn't going to tune in by myself. But that's what Turner liked. You, you get what I'm saying here? We've got to enter their world, not just have them tagging along with ours. Uh, it's not always easy. You know, it might not be what you really enjoy, but you may have to just put that on hold and, and enjoy it. It takes a little practice. Uh, might have to be very deliberate and planned, but you'll get through it. And keep in mind, kids aren't looking for oodles. They just want some quality time with you as a, as a parent, as a guardian, as whatever relationship is. They just want you in their world. You know, in our stage of life, it's really easy to get focused on, on our grandchildren because they're really so much fun, and it's just awesome because you can spoil them and send them home, them and send you know? them home. 
But I was actually praying a while back about my new role as a mom because it's different. And, and I heard in my, somewhere, that I needed to have a monthly lunch date with one of my girls. And so I had that on Friday. And it was so awesome to just spend some time with my adult daughter and, and hear from her and just be on this different level. And so we need to be creative wherever we are, whatever age and stage we are in life, to make it a priority to foster these relationships. In addition to our families, our children, or grandchildren, it's important if we're in a marital relationship to foster that. Amen. To work on that so that they can be all that they can be. We want to do a little read on the congregation here today. So um, we, we've done this at all the services. It's been pretty, pretty fun. We might not have quite as many in the later stages of this as the I last know, one. This I is know. a younger so population. If you've been married 20 years or longer, stand up. Yeah. All right. Yay. Yeah. Stay standing up. Stay standing. Yeah. Yeah. It's way weird if only one of you was standing out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And you know what? (laughs) Don't sit down. The thing that I really think is cool is that there's there's a little bit of diversity in in our marriages here as far as how long we've been married. So in other words, half of you are sitting, half of you are yeah, standing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So if you've been married 30 years or longer, stay standing and the everybody else sit down. Wow. All right. If you've been married 40 you better, you better years better go or 35. longer. Oh. Uh, we do have a four. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. If you've been married 45 years or longer, stay standing. Ah. Oh, that was it. Between 40. We See, got between was, 50 and it, 55. The 55 was the break point yeah. on the first two yeah. services. Yeah. Congratulations. All right, oh. so to you guys and you, it was like always perfect all the time, right? <laughs> no, oh, that's yeah. just us. Yeah, that's, that, just, that's us. just us. You know, a lot of years together, um, whether it's, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, if we're not careful, we can become so complacent even in our marriages and allow our groove to become a rut. That that can happen pretty easily. And when that happens, we need to set that re, you know, hit that reset button and begin to court again. That's an old fashioned word, courting. But we wanna suggest that, and this is for free because we paid a lot of money for this suggestion at one point in our lives because there was a time uh, some years back where we hit, a, I'll just speak from, I hit a very complacent, place in our marriage. In fact, I wasn't upset. I wasn't mad. I just was nothing. I just felt kind of like dead or numb inside. That's a very dangerous place to be. Complacent. Yeah, very complacent. And I knew that that's not what God wanted. 
for my marriage. And so I sought um, help and I went to a psychologist and he began to show me what was going on inside of me, not what was wrong with the marriage, but what was going on inside of me. And then after quite a bit of time. And money. And money. <laughs> hey, it was, we're still here, so it was worth it. Um, 30, how many years? What, what was that? Did you do? That wasn't like that. Okay. Time um, and money. Time and money, yeah. So then we went together, and he suggested that we begin to court again. I was like, what? But you know, when we first met, it was fun. And you know, the first few years of before we even got married, it was fun. We did a lot, there was a lot of energy, and there was a lot to talk about. And so, like, wow, okay. So we pretended. And that was the hard part, pretending. That was hard. But we pretended that we were sort of way back in that stage. And like, we, so an example would be, we'd, we'd go out to eat somewhere, <laughs> probably like McDonald's because we were so broke from all the counseling. And, um, <laughs> and kids. And kids. On a two for one. So <laughs> I would, on a two for one, yeah. So I would, for example, a question I might ask is, so what's your favorite food? Nah. Oh, well, I know that because it's always spaghetti. That always doesn't will change be. and it's Alan's spaghetti. So then <laughs> I had to think of something else like, if you could go any place in the world, where would it be? You know, those kinds of things that you ask to get to know each other. And I thought I knew all the answers. I thought I knew what he was going to say. And I found I didn't. I didn't know things that I thought I knew. And it became a little more exciting. And I like was drawn in more and more. It didn't happen overnight at all. It was a long road back. But after a while, it was like, yeah, that little thing ignited again. And actually, the thing <laughs> that really helped with that was that Dr. Wilson uh, said, well, here's a prescription. I'm like, ooh, now we're on meds. Well, that's not the case. <laughs> he said that we needed to go away together. You know, with kids and jobs and no way and money. No, you can't go away. No, we had to invest. And we went away with the sole purpose of trying to get to know each other again. You know what just struck me? God, God helped make that happen too, knowing that we needed that because uh, we had a friend who had some frequent flyer miles because her husband did a free lot of business. Yep. And so we had free airfare down to Cancun. And so we wouldn't have been able to do it without that help. So God saw to it that we had help we needed to, in order to make that happen. So that's it's really important to recognize that God's in the midst of it. So our point in this is that it takes a long time and it's an investment, but it's worth it. That's a train. It was like, hmm. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> thought it was a heavenly, uh, waiting for a heavenly announcement. Or Another trip to Cancun? <laughs> I think it is. Um, so we just had all those couples stand up. They've been around a while, you know, and, and you know, couples you've been around a while. They've weathered some of those marital storms just like we have, and shared years with each other, the ups and downs and challenges, and, and 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 you know, couples who have those kind of experience, that kind of experience, have a lot to share with couples who aren't that experienced. And then again, 
just another, another thing about this marriage mentoring ministry that we're starting, and you can go check it out out in the parking lot after worship today. It's um, an opportunity where people with experience share with those with less experience, you know, help you walk through some of those challenges, some of those things that, you know, that you, you just can't see the end of the tunnel, and they might be able to say, trust, there's an end of the tunnel. We, we've been through it, or maybe why don't you try this, or have you uh, thought about this? Uh, just like we, um, uh, the counselor helped us, they may be able to offer you some counsel. They're not perfect. They, they've had their challenges and, and this and the other, but they paid some money and put in some time because they think this is so important. They've been willing to invest in the opportunity to share uh, their experience with others who are interested in, in learning more and improving and, and making their marriages all they can be. So we're going to encourage you, if you're at all interested in that, stop at the tent outside after worship and find out some more details and see if it might be something you'd like to participate in. So the ultimate relationship that we cannot let go <clears throat> complacent, we cannot go there, and we do, is our relationship with God. I know that I have been in a complacent place with God more times than I care to think about. And it's when I am not invested in that relationship things go stale, I end up feeling distant. And the thing about our relationship with God, <coughs> when that becomes complacent, it really filters down to everything else in our lives. Our relationship with, with who we do life with, our relationship at work, at school, wherever, it really affects everything. Bill Hybels in his book, Simplicity, says that um, simplified living, and we're using that, you know, remember, simplified reset is about more than doing less. It's being who God called us to be with a wholehearted, single-minded focus. It's walking away from innumerable lesser opportunities in favor of the few to which we've been called and for which we've been created. The only way we can know what how we've been created is to know God. The only way to know how God calls us and where God directs us is to know God's voice, to hear, to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because when we get complacent, things get stale and we get in a rut. And yes, that even happens in our relationship with Jesus. We stop searching. We stop growing. We stop seeking. We can never stop seeking as followers of Jesus. We can never get to a place where it's like, okay, I'm here. No, we've got to keep growing, growing, growing. We've asked Gary and Shawana Wilson. They worship at 830, uh, 8.30 um, on Sunday mornings with us to share their journey from complacency to connection. Here they are. Well, I guess um, our financial situation had changed. So uh, we were in a place where uh, it was convenient to discontinue paying our tithes. And so uh, it put us in a situation where I guess we can say we were complacent and um, it was comfortable, I guess, for a while. 
but then things didn't feel the same. Right. And, right. And coming from um, a place where we, we pay tithes often, and then, you know, all of a sudden we decided that, you know, because we're changing different churches, um, trying to find somewhere else to, to worship, um, we thought that at that time that we would stop paying our tithes and stop doing, you know, certain things. But when, when we came to Connection, we, we were convicted when, when Pastor Kerry and Pastor Allen were talking about tithing. And so we went back home that night and we discussed um, whether we should start back tithing again. And coming from a church where we tithe and we knew what the outcome would be when we tithe and, and we just, you know, began to, to stay faithful to the Word of God. Within those couple of weeks, when we started tithing, God immediately started opening up doors and making ways out of no ways and just started blessing us because we decided, okay, we're gonna trust your word and we're gonna believe in you. And it wasn't really until we got to a place where we got back to tithing that we began to feel connected again, connected to him, knowing that that was our rightful place. And it's something within our spirit that just made it feel right. Um, and it was welcoming. And although, you know, we had to tighten up with some of the things that we had started to do financially and we had to pull back, it still feels really good to write out our tithes every week and to give thanks. And it also gets us um, back connected with um, our faith walk and just giving God back his 10% and believing that he will bless the other 90% so that we can do what it is that we need to do. And it seemed like he was doing even more than that. You know, doors were just opening. So it was exciting. It is exciting. And it feels good to be back to a place where we know we should be. Um, and it's such a blessing for him to welcome us with open arms. So going from complacent to connected uh, is a very, very good feeling. It is. Mm. There, we want to thank Gary and Shawana for opening up with us like that. So the question then is, what about you? Have you become complacent in your relationships? And we talked about a lot of different relationships. Most especially, have you become complacent in your relationship with God through Jesus Christ? And if you have, then what's causing it, do you know? Uh, do you need to kind of reconnect some way? What is it that you need to reset? Uh, would a baby be in the giving area like it was for Gary and Shawana? Giving money, or maybe it's giving your time. Perhaps you become complacent and need to reconnect through your devotional time. Maybe it's through a daily time of reading and giving some thought to the scriptures, daily Bible reading. Perhaps you've gotten complacent in terms of, uh, of, of not being a part of a small group, of not having close uh, Christian uh, brothers or close Christian sisters or couples that you can share with, that you can go deeper with, that you can do life with. Perhaps, um, perhaps uh, you've gotten complacent 
by not serving in the area that God wired you to serve, your area of passion. Maybe you've gotten complacent, kind of let that go by the wayside, and you need to look for where you can uh, give back, give to God, give to others what God wired you to do, both here in church and out in the world as well. Maybe prayer. Maybe your prayer life has come, become listless. Maybe it's become kind of dry or maybe even somewhat non-existent. Maybe you need to think back to what that prayer is about and how you can connect through prayer and more prayer. And so we would encourage you, maybe it's some other area, we would encourage you to give some thought and some prayer to this whole thing if there's an area in your spiritual life where you've gotten complacent. Allow that complacency to kind of suck the life out of your relationship with Jesus Christ, keeping you from getting ever closer, ever closer uh, in, in your walk with Jesus. You know, for each of us, whether we're very close to Jesus or we're maybe just kind of starting this whole Jesus thing, it's kind of foreign to us, or maybe we're someplace in between, there's an opportunity for complacency and and it, it can get in there with, with us hardly even realizing it, and then it's kind of, we're kind of in a rut, no matter where we are on that trail. And, 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 and you know, it's, it's almost a daily recommitment, isn't it? It's not a one-time, Jesus, I'm yours, and it's a daily, it's a daily recommitment uh, in which you kind of say something like, you know, Jesus, I'm a sinner. It's important to recognize that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I can't save myself. As I understand, you're the one that can save me. Uh, here I am, Lord. Here I am. I I'm willing to give as much of me as I can to as much of you as I can understand at this point. And my hope, Jesus, is to give ever more of me to ever more of you as I can understand it until... Ultimately, I'm able to give all of myself to all of you. To get rid of that complacency and to be able to say, here I am, Lord, I'm yours. Complacency to connection. A time to reset. That's the good news. Let's believe it. Let's live it. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, there are places and spaces in, in our lives where we have grown complacent. Some are pretty serious and others may not be quite as much so. And especially, Lord, if it's complacent with you, Help us find our way back to that connection. Guide us. Open us up. Give us a plan. Help us hear your plan. It's not that you don't give it, it's that we don't listen. And if we're complacent in our relationships, especially those relationships that are closest to us, Lord, forgive us. And help us make our way back, whatever it takes, Lord. Thank you for your promise of new life 
and hope because you live, we can indeed face tomorrow. I pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and everybody gathered said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus in the life.